This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, have you ever made a promise and then broke it? I bet you every single person has. And and even those who may say, no, I have not, I bet you have. If you really thought it through, even when you were a child, at one point you made a promise and you broke it. It's hard not to. I try to make uh, promises with my kids and keep them, but there are times when you know something comes up or where I have to be somewhere and I have to put off the promise for a little while. Well, God has never broken a promise. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about promises. And our text is from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. And the passage tells us this. By faith, Joseph when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. That's Now, that Hebrews chapter 11, that's the faith chapter, isn't it? That's the chapter that's, we call it the hall of faith and all these uh, men and women of great faith. And when you think of Joseph from the book of Genesis and you think of his great faith, What comes to your mind? Is it the fact that he gave orders concerning his bones? Is that the passage of great faith you think of? Or is it the interpretation of dreams? Is it that he held fast to the Lord, even when his family, his father, and everything was giving up on him and everything was going bad, he never gave up on the Lord? He always believed in the Lord. I would not have thought of him telling the sons of Israel, make sure you take my bones with you when you go back home. You know, it's just, there's so many other great passages in my mind, I I would think would be the ones that the Lord would use here in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, whenever I I work on on a lesson, I ask questions of the text, right? And the first question that comes to my mind is this, why would Joseph even bother? Why bother giving instructions about where his bones were buried? I mean, when I die, you you, you can bury me any place you want to. I don't don't care. And do you know why I won't care? It's because I'm dead. I'm dead. It won't matter to me. But apparently, it mattered to Joseph, didn't it? And it appears to have mattered not only to him, but to the Israelites. Exodus chapter 13, verse 19 tells us, When Israel left Egypt, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. And so they take his bones along. They go, they cross the the Red Sea. They come to Mount Sinai. They stay there for a little while. They make their way up to the promised land, but it you know, they reject it, and God sends them off to the wilderness wanderings for 40 years. They come back to the promised land. They begin to, the, the conquest for the land. And all the way, the Joshua chapter 24, verse 32, 
It says, Now they buried the bones of Joseph, which the sons of Israel brought up from Egypt, at Shechem, in the, uh, in the piece of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of money, and they became the inheritance of Joseph's sons. So it, it took that long, that long, for them to put his body where it needed to be. And in the book of Acts, Stephen preaches a sermon where he specifically mentions this story. In Acts chapter 7, 14 through 16, Then Joseph sent word and invited Jacob, his father, and all his relatives to come to him, 75 persons in all. And Jacob went down to Egypt, and there he and our fathers died. From there they were removed to Shechem and laid in the tomb which Abraham had purchased for a sum of money from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. So, it was a big deal, wasn't it? But it still doesn't explain why. Why it was a big deal. Well, Joseph answers that question for us in Genesis chapter 50. When he gave instructions about his his body. He said, or it says that Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised and on oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. So why did Joseph want his bones moved? Well, he wanted that because he believed the promises of God. God promised Israel that they would have the the promised land. Now, from the day that Joseph was embalmed until his casket was buried in the promised land, you know, about 400, 450 years, and, and that's a long time. How could Joseph possibly have believed that God would have made that happen? He believed that, because he believed God and would bring is uh, that God would bring Israel back to the promised land because that's what God had promised to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob and to their descendants and Joseph intended to claim that promise for himself you know a um, a friend of mine went to Israel once and he he saw a a Jewish cemetery outside of Jerusalem now uh, let, me, let me start here. When, when we, when you and I, when we go visit cemeteries here in America, we, we, we like to put flowers on the graves, don't we? But in Israel, they put rocks on the, the tombstones there on the graves. Why? Why would they do that? Well, I, I've, I've read in different places that there's all kinds of possibilities of why they do this. But this particular tour guide my friend was on in Israel, this is what he said. He said that the Jews lost the promised land centuries ago, but they regained, uh, they regained their homeland in 1948. And so it's a big deal for the Israelites to be back in the land. And so the stones on the graves were a declaration, he said, that you are now part of the land. And so maybe, if that's the truth, in the same way, by commanding that his bones be moved back there, Joseph was declaring... I intend to be part of the land that God promised. And Joseph was commended for his faith, not only because he believed the promise, but because he 
acted like someone who believed the promise. Here's the deal. When we are Christians, you, know, you and I, we're Christians, those of us who have been baptized into Christ, living that faithful Christian life, we serve a God of promises. And the Bible is filled with those promises. And God calls upon us to believe his promises and to live our lives as those who believe in his promises, just like Joseph did with God's promises centuries ago. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. In other words, we have great promises that should encourage us so that we end up living holy lives so that the people around us will know we trust God. So, what kind of promises do we have? What kind of promises? Well, some of the promises aren't really encouraging. Jesus said, John sixteen thirty three, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. And then again, in John chapter 15, he says this to his disciples. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and and of God rests on you. Now, granted, that's not exactly the kind of promises we want to hear, is it? But God's being honest with us. Christianity isn't always going to be an easy ride. And if we don't recognize these painful and truthful promises, when life goes south, we'll begin to wonder if there's something wrong with us or if there's something wrong with God. These statements were God's way of saying, we don't belong here. This world is not our home. We are just a passing through, right? Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And because of that, this world can get kind of rough on us, can't it? Yeah. But God gives us other promises to remind us that when life gets hard, he's still there and he still cares. And he gives us promises that we can build our hopes on. I think we all know and love the 23rd Psalm. That's a big one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Another uh, another verse or other verses throughout the Old Testament reinforce that idea from the 23rd Psalm. You have Isaiah 26, verse 3, for example, The steadfast of mind, you, God, will keep in perfect peace. Why? Because he, the one of steadfast mind, trusts in you, God. Deuteronomy 31.8 The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And again, Isaiah 40, 29 to 31. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks uh, might, might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And Jesus promised much the same thing there in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 29 Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And I love the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Then Romans 8.28 And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And in fact, in Ephesians 2.10, it tells us we have a reason to live. We have a purpose in our lives. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You matter. But why do you matter? Why? I recently read a meme on Facebook that said this. It said, you matter. You are important. You're loved. And your presence on this earth makes a difference whether you see it or not. And and that's pretty much all it said. Older folks may not care about memes that make the rounds on social media, but the younger generation, they do. They do. And you know, <clears throat> that's a, let, 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 me, let me discuss something here with you for a moment. You may have been watching the news, and, and you probably know about everything going out there with the, the, the looting, uh, the people beating each other up in, in different places, mainly California, New York, uh, Chicago, places like that. And have you ever stopped to wonder why? Now, we have all kinds of reasons we can look at and point to, but how did it come to this? I mean, when you look at our society, you go 
back in time in our society, you don't see this sort of thing happening. What has happened? What has caused this younger generation that's coming up to to be like this, to act like this? You know, think about that meme. You matter. You are important. Your love and your presence on this earth makes a difference whether you see it or not. Now, ask why. Have you ever looked at that and asked, why do I matter? Or why am I important? Who is it that loves me? You see, the meme doesn't say you're left to wonder who cares. The meme just assumes that you'll instinctively know that somebody must care and that everybody has value and that everybody matters. But in a world where people are measured by their beauty, their influence, their wealth, their power, a lot of people get left out. And then you end up saying, I don't think I matter. I don't think I'm important. I can't believe that anybody would love me. They look out there in the world and they see they don't measure up to the beauty. They don't have influence. They don't have wealth or power. And they don't see how they're ever going to get it. And so they're, they're left with all this wonder. And then they're being taught in these schools how much how they're, they're not good. They're, they're racist or they're bad or they've done this wrong and there's so much evil in this country that they're part of and they need to make restitutions in some way or another. And so they wonder, what, what's the point? They don't have any hope. They can't gain anything in this life. And in their minds, there's nothing after this life because they weren't raised to know God. And so what does it matter if they take something from somebody else? What does it matter if they hurt or kill somebody? There's nothing in this life. And when they're dead, they're dead. They have no hope. None. They've never been told, they've never been taught that God loves us. They, don't, they probably never even heard the verse from John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. They don't know these things. And you may be thinking that I'm making a stretch here, but you go through all the social media. Go through it. And see the, these younger people. What's important to them? How people perceive them. They're, they're, they're striving for the one thing they might be able to obtain. Beauty. Beauty. Or influence. What, what is it they, they call them now? Uh, the influencers, the social influencers, they, they make money. And so companies now hire them to because they have such influence on people. Influence and beauty is what social media is all about. Or making money, but that's kind of hard to do. But there's, there's sites that try to help you do that. Huh. It's sad. But that is the way of this world, isn't it? That's where it's going. There is no God except for what the world gives you. And when you're born and you don't have all those things, what are you left with? Nothing. Nothing. But God gave us his son to die in our place. That we may know that he loves you and me. And that's why he has given us a promise in Acts chapter 2. Peter was there preaching to the crowd. Remember that? He, 
and they realized that they had crucified the Christ, the Messiah. And so they cried out to Peter and the rest of the apostles saying, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here it is. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. We have the promise that if we believe in Jesus, repent of our sins, and are baptized in the name of Jesus, we have the promise that God will forgive our sins. And because of that promise, all the other promises are ours as well. But how do people know? Do you remember, you know, me telling you that when I die, I don't care where you bury me. I said that I don't I didn't care because I'd be dead. But that's not the total real reason. The real reason I won't care where you bury me is because wherever you put me, it's only going to be temporary. I don't intend to stay there because God has given me, he has given you another promise. Just like Joseph knew his bones would be moved. I know my bones are going to be moved too. I know that because I have a promise in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 57, where Paul writes, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this, for this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable ha- will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We must always remember, we are not better than uh, the others in the world around us. We are simply those who have accepted better promises than the world can offer. And as the sun shines on the moon, and we can see the the light coming off the moon at night, but we know the moon doesn't produce any light of its own. It's only showing us the reality of the sun. So are you and I, those of us who are in Christ, we are the moon. We are shining a light to this world. We ought to be showing truth, revealing To the darkness, there is something beyond this life that life can taste good. We are salt, right? We are salt and light to this world. And man, the the younger generation, they need to see this. They need to taste this. They don't know because they're not being taught it by their parents. They're not being taught this by uh, their, their schools. Now, granted, there are some who are. I'm not saying this is true of every single last one. But in general, we're, we're seeing it happening, don't we? Aren't we? They're, they're so confused. They don't know how to think. 
They don't know what's truth. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what to do. They don't know that God loves them. And so they're lashing out. They're doing whatever they need to to get by in this world, to gain something, some sort of peace, some sort of prosperity while they're here until they die. And then, for them, it's all over with. They won't have to worry about it anymore, will they? No, they won't. They think. Because they don't know the truth. But we have it. You've got it. I've got it. We have the truth. All we need to do is to shine that truth out there for them to see it. It's sad to me to, to read the news and, and see all this happening and the, the fact that they care so little about other human life. And they just go into these stores, steal whatever they want, and not worry. They, and, they, and it's not like they're doing it one at a time. They're big groups. They go in there and they just take it thinking everything will be just fine. And right now, maybe it is. But in the end, in the end it won't be. How do you reach a generation like this? It's getting worse. We've got to be light. It's up to you and me. It doesn't matter who we put in the office as president or who's controlling Congress or who is doing what on the Supreme Court. What matters is the mind and hearts of the people in this country. That is what's going to determine the direction of it. Will God bless it, this country, or will he curse it? We know the answer. We know what we must do and what we must be. Think about that as we go through our week. Let us redeem the time so that others might have the opportunity to redeem it also. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.